are listening to episode 154 of Shades Midweek. This is a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. My name is John Mark DeRoe. I'm the worship and communications pastor here at Shades Valley, and I'm joined by senior pastor, Mr. Jonathan Hafes. Jonathan, how are you doing today? Man, we are recording this uh, a week before it will get dropped. This is going to get dropped during spring break. Yep. And uh, we're having to do it early because by the time people are listening to this, you will be on a beach in Jamaica. Yep. So describe, Not a care in the world. So describe to us what you're seeing right now. You're on that beach in Jamaica. It's sunny. Take the people there's there. A, there's a high of 85 today. <laughs> there's not a cloud in the sky. There's no rain in the forecast. I'm sitting next to All right, to I don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> I don't want to hear anymore. You know what I'm doing right now? The, I'm, the, I'm the, in Birmingham. The, the waves are rolling in, Ugh. the sound of the ocean, the feel of the sand on well, my feet. Even though it's spring break and the John smell Mark of is sunscreen. gone, we still wanted to bring you an episode for some reason. <laughs> I'm sitting here recording it with him right now. And so, uh, so yeah, John Mark, how about you give the people, even though you're in Jamaica, how about right. you give the people something to listen to while you're out doing whatever it is you're doing, All right. sitting on the beach? I should have made this Jamaica-related, but I did not. There was a good opportunity to maybe play some Bob Marley, but that's not what James is about to happen. James' album of the I hope this is what you're listening to on the beach in Jamaica. So relaxing. All right, to continue a recent trend of live albums when I featured VH1 Storytellers a few weeks ago on JM's Album of the Week, this comes from guitar player Corey Wong. Corey Wong is an incredible young musician, uh... I say young. He, he's probably my age, honestly. Um, but he has been a part of the uh, musical outfit that is called Wolfpack. If you've ever heard of Wolfpack. Yeah, I've before. heard of Wolfpack. They put out a lot of music. I'm pretty sure I only heard them through you. Yeah, they, they put out a good bit of music. And Corey Wong has his own solo project. And this is a live album that they just put out or that he just put out this year on January 20th. Uh, titled The Power Station Tour West Coast. And these are live tracks from their West Coast tour uh, from last year. And it's a great band. You can hear the horn section, obviously. He plays electric guitar. Victor Wooten is on bass guitar, which he's a a famed musical virtuoso uh, bass player. There he goes. Here he is right here, actually. Is it all instrumental? Most of it is instrumental. There are some uh, vocalists that join them on a few tracks. But, uh, yeah, it's just a fun album to listen to. If you like, you know, musical virtuosity and incredible, incredible playing, then this is the album for you. This song is called Assassin. Corey Wong. They're just killing it. Nice. Yep. That's the album of the week. Makes me feel really relaxed like I'm on the beach with you. I'm not bitter. All right. Well, since, oops, since I'm <laughs> gone, 
since I'm gone this week in Jamaica, you better tell everybody else some things that they should be doing happenings in the ham. All right, all right, all right. I don't know why Matthew McConaughey is hosting Happening in the Ham this week. Anyway, um, so last week I gave you things going on during spring break. And so I'm not going to rehash that. If you're looking for stuff to do this week, go back, listen to last week's Happening in the Ham. I'm going to give you something that's coming up pretty soon. And you know what, John Mark? I think I might disappoint the people because I'm kind of stretching the rules breaking okay. the rules that I set for myself with happening in the ham. Uh-oh. Because this is this is actually it's it's happening in the ham, but it's really just a Shades Valley announcement. Really is what it is. Something that's going on with us. Great. That we're doing that I wanted to feature. Oh, you love that. And that is coming up is our annual Easter egg hunt. Fantastic. Yes. I love the Easter egg hunt. Absolutely. So on April the 8th, uh our Easter egg hunt's going to happen at 10 a.m. at the Blue Ridge Playground. It's right behind Shades Mountain Elementary. And we, uh, you, you can participate in this even if you're not a parent or have kids or anything like that. Not, not by coming. That might be creepy. Um, but <laughs> uh, we need eggs. And so you can go buy some plastic eggs, get some candy to throw in. The, man, if you pre-fill the eggs, that's even more yeah. awesome. I, I just learned they sell pre-filled eggs. I didn't know that was a thing. Of course. So you could buy those, or you could buy eggs and candy and fill them yourself. Just just avoid peanut stuff, peanut butter stuff. We want to avoid having to use EpiPens at this Easter egg hunt. Just bring me all the Reese's. Yeah, you, you still buy the Reese's. Just right. bring them to John Mark right. and I. Right. So, but yeah, so you can donate candy. Um, I think that Jolie may need a couple of volunteers to help hide the eggs. Uh, and things of that nature. So if you need more information about this or you would like to participate in some way, just contact Jolie uh, by emailing her, jolie at shadesvalley.org. You spell Jolie exactly how it sounds, J-O-E-J-O-L-Y, Lee. That's it. So, yeah, come out to the Easter egg hunt that's happening in the ham, and it's available to, to anybody, not just Shades people. Bring friends, you know? So, yeah, Easter oh. activities oh, coming up. It. It's upon us. That's fantastic. It's well, crazy. we've got a great show for you today. We're, we have a meet a member, and uh, we're about to show you. Well, we can't show you. We're going to play you this interview. We sat down with SVCC member and live stream czar <laughs> Patrick Smith. Oh, yeah. Y'all knew it was coming because it's funny. We act like people don't know what's happening, but it totally says it in the title of the episode. They know already. They what know already when they hit play. That's right. It is time to meet a member, and not just any member. Ladies and gentlemen, bringing his expertise in multimedia production and movies to Three Stream Studio, Patrick Smith. <laughs> Love the studio audience. Yeah, man, everybody's always impressed by the studio audience. Patrick, I do have to ask this right up front, and we'll get into why I'm asking you this question later. <laughs> but do you have a movie collection that can rival JM's right here? We that? often talk about his ridiculous DVD collection that is inside of the studio. Yeah, I really just want my little Polaroid shot in front of that so I can lie and say okay. I was in the Criterion closet. <laughs> yes. Um, 
No, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm certain if you were to combine like everything that my parents have, everything that I've accumulated over the years, um, it, it it may would get three quarters of that. I mean, especially <laughs> like uh, if you really get into the nitty gritty of it, like all the digital movies I own. Right, I mean, right. I could look up right now how many I own, and it's it's an insane number. Yeah. It's yeah. probably close to three hundred just there. Yeah. Uh, but physical media, I, I'm, I'm still struggling. I mean, I'm only 26. I could outpace him. Well, oh, you will. Well, I was about <laughs> I'm to say. I'm married to and I'll, have kids. Yeah, that's, so. that's the problem. I was about to say, we, we have officially established, JM, that you are the most ridiculous when it comes to <laughs> your movie collection. I am. I mean, it, it rivals your book collection, Jonathan. If anyone's ever been into Jonathan's oh, office, he let's, has no, walls hey, listen, of listen, books. Listen, listen, listen. We're not going <laughs> to so point out my hypocrisy right let's now. Let's not throw... Uh, shade at each other. <laughs> no, uh, you know, a lot of I was fortunate to be young and single during a time, Patrick, where uh, movie gallery and blockbuster all shut down. And what happened so was sad. I would go to the stores and I would just buy as many <laughs> movies as I possibly could because they were all on sale. And I'll tell you a quick story and then we'll actually hear about Patrick and all of the <laughs> wonderful things. One time, uh, a movie gallery on Highway 280 was closing down, and my friend texted me and said, or called me, rather, and said, you need to go to the movie gallery today. I went, and the person behind the counter was fake scanning half of the movies that I purchased, <laughs> and he was just giving to me to them for free, giving them to me for my free. Word. So I went, and I think I bought, I bought, quotes, air quotes, like 25 or 30 movies oh, that day. Oh, my word. Because they were all discounted, and then he wasn't even charging I, for him. I can remember um, when movie gallery Patrick, this this was a normal thing. Uh, movie galleries, blockbusters, all of those kinds of things. You know, when a I movie, think you forget that I'm I'm still old enough to actually have been to Blockbuster, yeah. and oh, like I well, grew up with those. Oh, right. I grew up getting VHSs as a child and oh, watching those. Yeah. So yeah. I have a weird nostalgia yeah, for not, that kind you're of not stuff. Too far that makes that makes me feel. I'm, not I'm I am 26. Old. I am still rather young, but old enough to have been a part of that physical media time. Well, like, you know, when a movie would release, um, there'd be a, a gazillion copies of it for rent at Blockbuster or Movie Gallery or whatever. You right. know, there'd be a whole wall of, like, the the new movie that had just released. And within a few months, they didn't need that many anymore. You know, it would go down to, like, they just had their five copies or what have not. So regularly, they were selling DVDs, yeah. and it would be ridiculous. It yeah. would be, I can remember. They called them pre-played DVDs. I remember yeah. sales that would be like, uh, buy uh, two movies, get four free, yeah. or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it, it would end up being like a couple of bucks a movie, that yeah. kind of thing. And so... Yeah. yeah, I wish nice. I had known that was a thing back then when <laughs> Blockbuster and Movie Gallery both shut down on me. I wish I had known that I could just buy half the stock in the yeah. store because then I probably would. Yeah, that, that's a, that's you. how I built a lot mm. of the DVDs. Have for sure. So. Have you seen the documentary about the last Blockbuster? No, I I want to, but I also don't want to. It's just too sad because like There's, Blockbuster was a huge part of right. my life. So like going back and watching movies like Scream nowadays and seeing those like old fashioned movie stores, I really have a nostalgia for browsing the aisles. Yeah, uh, specifically the horror section, of course. But like, uh, obviously never getting to rent those because my parents didn't you know love those things. But uh, the, oh. I have a nostalgia for walking through those aisles parents. and picking up, <laughs> picking up. It didn't change the fact that my dad had a huge Stephen King collection at home that I could. <laughs> 
steal when he wasn't there. Right. But we can talk about that later. But I, I still have a weird nostalgia for all that stuff. Um, and and I, I, I really do miss it. Mm. Uh, and in some ways, I try and recreate that in like my basement and in like my, my, right. my room with like... Yeah, all, all the space that I have, all the shelves that I have, is just like a little bit like a, a movie right, gallery. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, well, there is an Airbnb, a blockbuster-themed Airbnb somewhere you can I go stay. I think it in. is that last blockbuster oh, that ended up shutting down. They just turned it into an Airbnb, well, so go. it's still sort of a blockbuster, but not really. Well, if you can't tell from the first few minutes of this interview, <laughs> Patrick and I uh, bond over film, and uh, we're both cinephiles, so. Uh, it's just good. We that could just talk sounds about like that. You, that just sounds like you sin a lot. <laughs> We're both well, cinephiles. We uh, just well, love uh, sinning. We yes, all the time. No sin with a C. Sin with a C. Like that's cinema. Right. The cinema. Okay. All right, Patrick. We should probably ask him the normal questions. <laughs> oh boy, Patrick, uh, tell us about how you grew up, man. Take us back. So uh, I'm I'm from the Birmingham area. I was born in a hospital not that far from here. I probably could drive there in seven minutes. Um, so I, I've always been a part of like the Birmingham community, but most of my life I, I've been in the Trustful area. Um, and so I went to school over in that area, Hewitt Trustful. Um, and then when I was looking at colleges, Sanford really stuck out to me. And I actually had submitted an application to uh, Jeff State as well and uh, was planning on auditioning for the choir because you get a full ride if you do that. Mm. Uh, And like, I think two days before I was supposed to go in for my audition, I was just like, I I really don't feel like that's the place to go. I think Sanford's the place, uh, probably much to the chagrin of my parents, because uh, if you've looked at (laughs) how much it costs to go to Jeff State and how much it costs to go to Sanford, they're not equivalent at all. They weren't equivalent when I was prepping to go to college, and they're especially not the same now. But um, uh, they uh, luckily were um, supportive of that, and I ended up getting a job at Sanford and working there all throughout the four years I was there. And that's really when I got into audio production, because up until that point, I had planned to like study journalism, and I did. That's what my degree is in. But I also minored in film uh, and worked in the video production department at Sanford, mm-hmm. so... That's really where I kind of got and became a little bit of an audio engineer because that's what they needed. So I ran audio and read chapel for years just because they needed someone to do that. Yeah, that's cool, man. So did you go to uh, did you go to high school like Hewitt Trustville High School? Yeah, Hewitt Trustville High School is my alma mater. Uh, they were not good at football when I was there. It was like my, my <laughs> freshman year, like it was the team and we like went to state. I don't know if we won that year, but we were really good. And then immediately the year after and every year that I was in high school, just awful, awful team. <laughs> so <laughs> I missed the boat on having the good football team and having the the joy of going to a, a rivalry game because we were right. creamed every time. Well, tell us what young Patrick was like. What was he into? <laughs> You know, was he already into film? Like, to, to tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, I mean, if we want to go back to the very beginning. <laughs> uh, my first memory is of May 1999 sitting in the theaters watching Star Wars The Phantom Menace of for the first time. Of course it is. Uh, of my, course I it is. I wasn't great at reading because I had just turned three. So my mom read me the opening text crawl. But I still remember a lot of the the feeling of seeing that Star Wars film for the first time. 
because that was my first Star Wars. I film. was about to say, so you and I are going to have really different <laughs> feelings and experiences of Episode One. I mean, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> what do you mean, that, Jonathan? You don't like Jar Jar Banks? You're not a. You're, you're, Here's the thing. Fan. I've ha- I've run the gamut. So we're gonna get, sarca- we're gonna we're gonna get was, too far it was away. Sarcastic. I was being sarcastic. We're gonna get too far away from Patrick's. That's uh, fine. <laughs> from Patrick's story because because like here's here's what you don't realize, John Mark. I know you're being sarcastic, but Star Wars fans do not have the ability to not respond to questions <laughs> about Star Wars. They don't understand irony for some yeah, reason. I'm sorry about that. So now yeah. I feel like this need to tell you all about no, how I no, feel. No, no, no. Well, I, I guess I, I should say just I I have run the gamut of feelings about episode one. Sure, sure. Because like yeah. first Star Wars film, of course, it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, as I grew up and, and watched more movies, I was like, eh, episode one sucks. <laughs> uh, and and uh, <laughs> so like because I, I was seeing all of the, the prequel trilogy in theaters as they were releasing. right. right. That was my formative Star Wars. So uh, when I was watching them, of course I loved them. They were huge and amazing. And then there was sort of this critical reevaluation of sure. of st- of the, those particular episodes. Uh, and so as I grew up, I'm starting to get a little bit more jaded, having a couple more movies under my belt, thinking I, I should be taken seriously when my about my opinion of Star Wars. Uh, and so I was like, no, the prequels suck. Uh, and so, of course, my opinion has evolved since then, um, and now my opinion is a little bit more nuanced, uh, specifically that I think Episode One is great. It's one of my favorite Star Wars films. I'm sure Jonathan has a lot of feelings about that statement. Uh, and sure, a lot of that is ba- baked into that is the nostalgia of that being like my first memory. Sure, but sure. it's um, there, there's so much... like entertainment in that film and when i think of what follows in uh, episode two uh, it makes me want to hit my head on the wall because it's like i already don't like romeo and juliet and then romeo and juliet directed by george lucas (laughs) is awful awful um and then then it gets good again in three you know it's a little bit hit or miss in that one but you know i think consistently whether or not you think that episode one the phantom menace is good star wars i think it's a good movie with a couple missteps Mm -hmm. the other two in the prequel trilogy may be closer to what people associate with star wars but that's when they start to have some more of the failings of george lucas as a director at that time so your first memory. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'll give my short thing. My short thing. My go. No, no. I Seriously, it's going to be short. My short thing is that I think my movement matches yours from the, like, I was uh, initially disappointed, mm-hmm. but I think I've become more nuanced over time. I don't think I've ended in the same place. <laughs> Um, but I think that I am much more able to appreciate the prequel films now yep. than I was when they, they came out and the place that they occupy in Star Wars. That's right. my short thing. I grew up, the first Star Wars movie that I saw, since we're talking about it, was Empire Strikes Back. It was a VHS. It's oh, a good one. Man, a, you uh, started at the pinnacle. It was all downhill after that. <laughs> it was a VHS copy that I believe had been recorded off of television oh that my, my parents word. had. So That's I used so to, much better. I used to rewind it and watch the whole thing over and over again. And that was so, so really for me, that because of nostalgia, that is my favorite Star Wars movie out of all of them. Um, and then I didn't go, go watch A New Hope and Return of the Jedi until later. <laughs> well, but I remember Phantom Menace, and I liked it as it, it came out when I was a kid. And yeah. so that being the first what Star Wars was movie. That? 
1999. Right? 99. So, yeah, so, so I was three when that happened. Yeah, okay, so, so I was 12. I was 16. Yeah, I was yeah. already cynical and jaded. You were, you were kind of, <laughs> I was still in that buffer of like, being 12 and right. this is exciting because a new Star Wars yeah. movie just came Oh, out. I took my 11-year-old brother to see it. We had very different and, opinions and, and, of the film. And Darth Maul has a double, you know, two lightsabers in one. Yeah, and, you yeah, know, yeah. The whole, I'm sorry it was rad as a three-year-old. No, <laughs> this no, a Star do Wars. not apologize. <laughs> um, see, so no, here's the, here's the comparison. <laughs> Y'all did this! Y'all did this! Here's the compa- we're like 30 minutes in. And we here's, the, even- here's the comparison for me. Uh, the, the, the comparison is I loved uh, the Ewoks. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, Absolutely. Uh, from Return of the Jedi because that movie released, like it was one of the first things I saw. Like I was a little kid when I encountered that. And yeah. I didn't encounter Ewok hate amongst <laughs> Star Wars fans until I got older. Yeah. And and I understand where it comes from, but because of that, like that's what I think allowed me to appreciate. Like I don't have an issue at all with like young people who like that was their first experience of Star Wars and they love it. Yeah. I'm like, I get it. I love the Ewoks. I get it. I think that's anyway. an objectively correct opinion to have. <laughs> but I should also be honest that like uh when I was in college I went on this spring break trip uh to the beach and it ended up raining pretty much the entire time we were down there. But the house that we were in this guy had a bunch of old um, laser discs, uh, old format that was predates me a little bit. Oh, dude, it never took off. Oh, it didn't. I know because you had you know HD DVD and other things that came right. in along. That's a whole different story, and it's not worth diving into that. Um, but he had a laser disc copy of the original trilogy, and so we ended up watching Return of the Jedi, which that was the first time I'd ever seen that movie unedited. So the original theatrical cut yeah. that doesn't have all the CGI stuff that was edited in, in right. like the early two thousands, and it was incredible. Like I, it was like seeing Star Wars again for the first time. Yeah. That's awesome. So, did you go to church a lot growing up, or <laughs> what was what was that like? Yeah, uh, on a, another completely different note. Yes. Uh, so, I grew up in the church. I um, attended Huffman Baptist, uh, which is you know, over in the Huffman area okay. of the of the city of Birmingham. Um, it's just where my my parents had gone um, since before I was born, and so that's kind of the church that I was born into. And I I went there for, if I'm doing the math, uh, probably. 20 years um, until like my last year of college and then I left that church and I was looking for new churches and so I asked some friends at RUF that I went to at Sanford what are churches that you recommend and so of course they recommended churches on this side of town uh, that are way far away from my house Um, but I wanted to go uh, to a church that I knew people at not like start completely over um, so I visited a couple places and eventually ended up here. I think the first Sunday I was here was like a a Green Spring Sunday, yeah. which was a yeah, <laughs> very it, weird experience. Pe- people either come for Body Life or Green Springs or it, worship it may have been a Body Life, life but it was it was it was weird because I was like, oh, this isn't how we, how I've ever done church before. <laughs> like it's so funny because when you add all of those Sundays together, it's six yeah. six Sundays out of the year: two Green Springs, two Body Lifes. And two worship and prayer Sundays, yeah. and somehow, somehow, so all many of people <laughs> all of the visitors. Visit that's for that's the first it's time. like it's like a magnet. But anyway, okay. So grew up in the church. Um, for people who grow up in the church, um, you know, typically there's this time at which like their faith becomes their own. Right. You know. So what what was that like for you? Uh, so I think I initially did the altar call like around eight nine. 
uh, in the first time, like it felt real to me. Mm. But I think if I were to look back on it, it was probably later into my teens that I finally was actively questioning everything and and, and trying to solidify what is this, what is this to me, and how much of this am I just believing because it's what my parents believe and it's what I've been exposed to. Uh, so probably if I'm being perfectly honest, it was later into my, my teen years that it truly became mine. Mm. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yep. That's cool. So you found yourself at Sanford, you hear about Shades Valley, you come and visit groceries for Green Spring Sunday. <laughs> Did you buy groceries that day? I think actually it was a body life, which was Okay, okay, uh, it was a body life. It was it, which is, you know, almost as weird an experience as like go up welcome to the microphone. To- <laughs> <and> just, <you laughs> know, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I am I am uh very socially awkward. I I talk to very few people in general. So the idea of going up in front of the the entire congregation that I wasn't a member of yet was just uh, unspeakable to me. The idea that that could happen, because like sometimes you come on a, a Body Life Sunday and someone you've never seen before who isn't yeah. a member, who's like probably this is their first time, yeah. Yeah. goes up to the mic, and I'm like, well, I'm congrats to them. They're far <laughs> they're far braver than I am. Yeah. Oh man. So, um, well, we have more questions that we want to ask. I've got more movie questions I want to ask. Oh boy. And, and Here we go. Nature. But <laughs> before we do that, you know what's coming. Oh no. It's time for the lightning round. That's right, Patrick. It's time for us to get you off topic. We haven't already <laughs> been off topic. And and ask you a couple of random questions. So without any further ado, JM, take it away. All right, Patrick, how do you like your eggs? Uh... Just about anyway. I actually learned how to cook an omelet for the first time last week, and that may be one of my new favorite ways to do it, but traditionally over easy if I'm at a diner. Okay, beautiful. Uh, how do you like your coffee? Uh, I tend to drink it black yes. is the way I go. Yes, me too. Me but too. decaffeinated now because I've learned that uh, for ADD, ADD, HD people, I think I may have added too many letters into that the second one. It was um, beautiful. Yeah, you're yeah, welcome. So you're weird. welcome. Um, it for for those kinds of people like uh, caffeine doesn't work the same way. It doesn't wake them up. It just makes them like nervous and fidgety. And yeah. I found that to be true for me. So most of the coffee I drink now is decaffeinated. This mm-hmm. is not. So. We'll see yeah. what happens by the end of the podcast. <laughs> it's going to get interesting. Yeah, you know, uh, Joseph has been uh, managing the coffee team here, and he uh, pointed out to me, like, one of the first weeks that he ran it, he was like, you know, I don't really know who drinks the decaf. And he was like, but, you know, I saw Matt and Patrick go get a cup of decaf on Sunday morning. I was yes. like, well, there you go. There, We know that they're drinking it at least. Salty or sweet? Like, as uh, far as preference. <sighs> snack. Gosh, uh, I like a little bit of both, but if I had to pick, I'm I'm really a pretzel guy, so salty. Salty, nice. What's your go-to karaoke song? Now that we've established, you would never get in front of anybody. I'm not anti <laughs> being in front of a crowd, but the last time I was at a karaoke place, uh, I regretted coming and didn't ever get in front of the audience. Just I thought about what would I sing if I got up there, and I just was paralyzed by that thought and so probably no song we all know that trustville is known for its cuisine (laughs) 
What is your favorite place to eat in Trustville? I live like two minutes from the entertainment district, and I can't begin to tell you how often I don't visit those places. Uh, Where is but the entertainment district? So at? it's like right on Main Street. Trustville uh, has an entertainment district. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, where it's built the by the same kind. Yeah, it's so it's right next to at. Ferris uh, Artisan Ferris. Ales. Yeah. Which they have good burgers and, and, and chicken. Yeah. So I guess if I had to pick a place that's different in Bur- in Trustful, that would be it. Yeah. What about Birmingham? Let's let's scoot out a little bit to the greater Birmingham area. Uh, there's a, a taco place not that far from here. Um, that's like in a Mexican supermarket. That's super good. I like oh, going. Uh, I like going there anytime that uh, I'm over here. Usually in the, the evening. The supermarket on Green Springs. Yes. Um, what is that called? I can never. We remember actually the name. didn't go there. That is so regrettable <laughs> for your taco tour. I think you've made a, a that huge mistake. Called? Oh, um, the supermarket right up here on Green Springs. Uh, Mi Pueblo. Yeah, Mi Pueblo. Is, I think that's that? right. But it the fact I've that been, you didn't, I've been there before. The it fact was that you a didn't do that for ago. the taco tour is criminal. It's but, so good. I mean, maybe you know, I'll go there tonight. <laughs> for the elders. It is a supermarket. Like we yeah, were going you can to, get, we like, were going to trucks, you know. But you can get like authentic Mexican desserts in the same place. It's incredible. <sighs> I listen, I You're remember liking out. it when I went. It's so good. So uh, do public restrooms make you self conscious? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> if if I can avoid using a public restroom, I will. Have you including ever, on a road trip. Have you ever planned a prank months in advance? Yes. Would you like to hear about it? I was about it? to say elaborate, please. Okay, so uh, a couple years ago, back in college, my friend and I, each year we would like exchange a CD, like a, a mixtape, effectively, but on a, a rewritable CD uh, every year at the summer. And so um, we, we've been doing that for a couple years. And this year I knew that he was about to leave uh, this space and go on a vacation with his family. And I gave him this CD of like the most chaotic... <laughs> Uh, mix ever and I knew he was also going to be driving his family so I knew that like it was going to be him putting in a CD being like my friend made this for me I can't wait to see what it is and I so it's a bunch of like these weird remixes that you can find on YouTube Um, and it started off normally with like one of his favorite songs uh, Africa by Toto and then very quickly it deviates into something that like Oh no, this is wrong. <laughs> uh, and it's like every instrument is playing at a different time signature. Oh. So by the time you get to the chorus, it's just unacceptable. Just chaos. And so every one of the songs was like that uh, <laughs> for like an hour. Um, but I built up trust long enough to, to do that. Um, and he's never mentioned what happened to me. Oh, so uh, I'm getting tense <laughs> just thinking about Anyway. Okay, you're having a dinner party and you can invite three guests over. Anyone from history, dead or alive, we're going to exclude the Bible from this dinner party. So who are you inviting? Well, uh, since I brought her book today, Flannery O'Connor, I think would be a great um, person. She obviously great Christian author, uh, wrote in, in Gothic literature, which is one of my favorite genres, um, but just a fascinating mind. Um who else? Probably Bob Dylan, just because, you yeah. know, add an air of mystery and mystique to your party. Because mm. he's not going to answer any questions straight. Mm-hmm. He's just going to be weird, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Um, who else? Uh, probably, if I had to pick someone else, George Romero. He's one of my favorite directors. Uh, 
and everything that you hear about him is like the opposite of like how the sh- the the experience was for Shelley Duvall in The Shining. Just everyone talking about like this guy makes some of the most horrific movies ever, and he's just one of the kindest people ever. So just like pick his brain because he always you know treated his cast and crew with respect, and was often doing that on really just small budgets. So mm-hmm. the fact that he was able to do that is still really impressive. Yeah, that's cool. Jonathan, do you have any other questions? I I'd heard a shining fun fact the other day. I'm trying to remember who I heard it from. Um, but it was uh the it was about the hotel that they used. Um, the hotel was worried that <laughs> um if they used an actual room number of a room they had, mm-hmm. like whatever the room is in the book. Yeah, it's two. 217, I believe. Yeah, so the they book. actually had like a room by that number and they asked them to change it for the film because mm-hmm. uh, they were so afraid no 237, right? Yeah. Isn't yes, yes. Because yeah. they were afraid no, and they don't have a 237. They were afraid no one would ever stay there. And uh, they, it had the opposite effect. Apparently, they get calls constantly yes. for requests for room 237. And they're well, like, we don't, we don't if, have it. If I'm not incorrect, I think they now host a film festival there every oh, year. That's uh, like a horror centric film festival. So you go. Oh. Uh, and and spend like a, a weekend there watching some of the most avant-garde that's weird <laughs> horror films. That's what you call leaning into it. Yeah. yeah. So they they've clearly uh, they were worried to begin with, and then cl- quickly realized like, oh no, this is actually great for our business. So I'm sure they were super excited when they heard that. Oh, they're gonna adapt the the sequel to The Shining into a movie as well. They're like score. <laughs> well, you brought some books. Uh, what let's let's uh, let our audience know what books you're reading <laughs> right now. So uh, I like to keep the Valley of Vision on me. It's a great book of Puritan prayers. Um, it's just it's a real comfort. I learned about it through RUF in in college. Um, and there's just a, a about a prayer for just about any situation you could be in. Uh, and I don't consider myself a Puritan by any stretch of the imagination, but the collection of prayers that they came up with uh, are, are pretty close mm. to brilliant. That's cool. Um, of course, as I mentioned, Flannery O'Connor, Mystery and Manners. Um, I I just love uh, her brain and her her methodology about storytelling and the way she thinks it thinks about it and approaches it. Uh, and so it's it's something that I kind of constantly return to to kind of ground myself, like if. She, this is what she thought about how to handle storytelling from a Christian perspective. And it's a book that has lasted this long. Mm. I think, you know, there's something of value here. Yeah. Um, and the fact that she wasn't like telling stories that were just like Bible stories, the fact that she's like telling very real stories that maybe have an overarching message, but they're dark, they're gothic. Sometimes they lean into horror. So right. I, I, I really appreciate the way that she approaches and mystery and manners is mostly kind of a collection of essays she wrote about writing uh, and lectures that she gave. And so um, it's, it's just such a, a good book. If you want to think more about writing and storytelling specifically from uh, her perspective, it's, it's, sure. it's really great. Um, another book on writing that I have is uh, Stephen King on writing. Oh um, yeah. Th- I think even if you don't like horror, uh, the way that he approaches storytelling yeah. is great. This is also not just a how-to guide on how to write. It is uh, like a story about his life. And so if yeah. you have read a lot of his books, you have so many like aha moments being like, oh, that's where this moment in this book came from. Uh, and to kind of see how it comes out of these very 
everyday events, uh, like things that were very common to his childhood and how he turned those into something horrific that you still remember to this day. Yeah. Um, is, is great. And the fact that like, I just think he's such a, a fascinating mind, uh, on writing, um, you know, his life story is so interesting too, mm-hmm. because it, the more you learn about him, I think the more that you realize there's a lot more going on, especially early in his books, like the shining, because at that point he doesn't realize he's an alcoholic and he's writing a book about an alcoholic mm-hmm. who spirals out of control. Uh, and so by the time he writes the sequel to the shining, it's dealing with so many of the themes of like alcoholics anonymous. And so, uh, just the evolution of his stories and the way that he approaches it is, is so fascinating to me. Yeah. That's a cool book. I read that one like several years ago. I, someone told me about it. And the, the reason that I read it was, you know, because I, I like to write songs. And right. so even though he's more so talking about writing novels and things like that, it, it, it's still applied in so many ways, and then I liked hearing his stories as well, just of, of him growing up and all those things. I, I've never even read like a Stephen King novel. I've seen a lot of his <laughs> movies and things like that. Um, I think I think you're missing out. Uh, there's plenty of Stephen King novels, even for the people who like don't like horror. I mean, certainly you can read some of his short stories, like The Body, which became Stand by Me, or Rita Hayesworth, Rita Hayesworth and the Shawshank Redemption, yeah. which obviously became the Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile, and things like that right. that are icons of maybe like horror adjacent material but it's stuff that like people know and have seen uh and it's great uh he's also written several fantasy novels one that i'm reading now at home um i I just think even in his horror stuff i think what what draws me to it is like how good the prose is and how often i'm crying while reading his books Mm. um specifically i think the ending to it is something that i've never forgotten um, cause I, I remember where I was when I was reading that and just like how it broke me in like the best possible way, like what art can do. Um, it, it, yeah, it's just, I think so often people will write him off just as like a horror writer. That's what he does. And, uh, I think you, if you do that, you miss out on some of, I think the finest writing of like the 20th century. For sure. All right. What's the last book? You last book there? is just something I'm reading right now. Okay. Um, I met this author last weekend. He was doing a signing event in town, uh, Grady Hendrix. He's a, a, a great author. Uh, he kind of mixes horror and comedy. Uh, his other big book at the time that he wrote this was uh, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Um, so this is The Final <laughs> Girl Support Group, which is one of his more recent novels, which is imagine every uh, like final girl from horror movies from the 80s are real people, and those movies are just adaptations of real lives. And it's about these people who are like trying to pick up the pieces, gotcha. and it, it's such an like interesting the, way like to the approach the yeah. It's such an interesting way to approach that story. Interesting. Okay. Um, but at this author event, he did uh, he, he was promoting his new book called How to Sell a Haunted House, and I went and he like was dressed up as like a marketer, like he was going to give us a seminar on like how how to sell an authentically haunted house, and so he went through it step by step and explained like what ghosts are, and like by the end, I'm like crying because of like how good of a of an of a message is because he like he'd actually worked at this hotline for like paranormal research so people all the time would like call in and tell him about like their experiences with ghosts uh so yeah it's he was a fascinating mind he's just a a really nice guy um and i really like his blend of horror and comedy so yeah all right two or three more questions in this not so lightning lightning (laughs) round uh I forgot what I was going to ask. 
Are aliens yeah. real? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. That's what I was going to uh, ask. So the the more nuanced answer yes is I'm no. sure there are. <laughs> yes or no. I'm sure there yes are no. aliens. <laughs> out, so, yes. Short answer, yes. Explanation, I don't think there's much more intelligent life out there in the universe. I'm sure there are other creatures and stuff out there far beyond what we can expect. But the idea that uh, the specific ingredients needed for people like another humanoid species to exist is so astronomically small that you know i i i don't really b- buy that i'm not i'm not going to get a close encounter of the third kind <laughs> is what you're telling me no i don't think so though that is one of my sp- favorite spielberg movies yeah that is a that is a good one okay you're on a deserted island there's a fast food restaurant on that island that's what you're going to eat for the rest of your life and which fast food restaurant is it Oh, that's uh, yeah. That doesn't sound great. Um, <laughs> Be very careful. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure I'd want to eat fast food for the rest of uh, my well, life. You don't have situation. a choice. It doesn't matter. But if I guess if I don't have a choice, I'd want something that has a little bit of everything. So maybe uh, cookout because they have a little little bit of everything. They kind of do cycle through just about everything that you can get, Dude, and I think that's really that's a yeah. I love the fact that it's over here now. I like that place, man. It was in Nashville for the longest time, and it was like the only place I would go to Nashville when I'd go up there for a concert. <laughs> That's cool. All right, well, speaking of concerts, what's uh, your favorite concert you've ever been to? That That's tough. Um, um, there's quite a few great concerts. Um, Bear Reinhardt has a solo act now um, called Wilder Woods, and I saw him at work play, and he was incredible. Um, but if I have to say, probably my favorite concert I've ever been to was Charles Bradley at Sloss Fest. Uh, this is only a couple months before he passed, and it was just such a great show. And he, like, honestly cared for the audi- audience and was like asking them about their stories and um, was was like praying for people. It was it was wild. Like it was a Sloss <laughs> Sloss performance and. It's just so much going on and like compounded with the fact like it was an incredible performance and it's one of his last performances too. Uh, It's probably one of the most memorable concerts I've ever been to. Very cool. All right, that's it. You survived the lightning round. So fast. I wanted to ask him what his favorite movie is. Well, you can still have that. (laughs) Well, yeah, we can do that now. He has it on this wall, I believe. It's uh, Night of the Living Dead from 1968. I do. I do have it on the wall. The Criterion Edition. Yes. I I can't tell you how many times I've been tempted to buy the 4K version because they've released that now with the Criterion as well. Like yeah. I already own their Criterion version, and it's like, yeah. I guess I need to pay the extra money to get that in 4K. Yeah. Well, sir. And then the 8K and then the 16K. Yeah, eventually, <laughs> yeah. So you show up at Shades. What makes you stay? Um, I mean, to be perfectly honest, it was like how different it was, and like sure. Body life is weird the first time you experience it, especially if that is your first experience of Shades. But uh, at that time, I was looking for a much smaller and close-knit community when it comes to a church. And I I had previously interned with uh, Shades Mountain Baptist Church up the road in their video department, and I love that experience. Uh, And those people are great. And I had attended one of their church services when I was looking for a church and, you know, people were nice, but, like, it just felt like I couldn't know anyone in that massive venue. And so 
uh, I think I actually was attempting to go to Shades Mountain again. Like, okay, maybe I need to be more intentional with this. <laughs> and I had misremembered when their service started. And so I got there. Service is already ongoing. Like, they're in the sermon. And I, I look at the, the clock. And at the that time, I think Shades started at 1030. So I was like, oh, I can get down there and be there in time for the service. So I'll go there again. Um, and so... I came came back for the second time. Uh, this is the first church I did that for when I was cycling through several. Um, and I, I've always connected most with worship through song, and I think the commitment to that at this church was particularly special. And the fact that it was such a small space, and like people remembered me from the last time I was mm. there, it's something small like that that mm. ends up making the difference. That's awesome. So what what year was that? That would have been uh, second semester senior year. So that would have been 2018. 2018. And so you graduate and you're not able to actually stay around. We thought you were gone for good. <laughs> you yeah. did a RUF internship and headed off to the big city. Yeah, Huntsville. <laughs> so big. Rocket town. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I worked with RUF for a year up in Huntsville. Uh, it was a great experience. I loved working with those people and loved doing ministry up there. Mm. Um, but the thing about that job is uh, you have to raise a lot of money. Uh, it's it's entirely dependent on you raising all that money. Right. And I, I don't come from the wealthiest family, and I don't come from, like, knowing the wealthiest people. So I, I'd been struggling pretty much the entire time to like stay uh in in the green and stay stay clear uh but uh by the end of the year it just it was clear to both me and the the people over me that it wasn't feasible and it would be far too stressful for me to continue trying to you know stay uh working in ministry and constantly being stressed on whether or not I was going to make budget every single month because it really was a, a month-to-month thing. Like, right. okay, this month I, w- I came in a little bit under what my target was. Uh, and I, I tried just about everything. And I had a couple people who, you know, really stepped in the gaps and, and helped me stay as long as I did. Um, but it, it, at the end, it was just I, I didn't have the support necessary to stay there long term. And so, because uh, usually the RUF internship is is a two-year agreement so you're you're planning on being in a space for two years and so i ended up having to leave early which was uh well not fun it wasn't great to get that phone call um because you know i guess i i've never been one person to quit even when things get tough sure um so it it was it it was always something that i i i really felt like called to to go in work for RUF because it had been so important to me at Samford uh, and making me feel like I actually had a home on the campus. Uh, and it was important to my faith journey uh, in college. And so my mindset was if I could give that to someone else um, by working with RUF at UAH, then that would be me giving back to this community that meant so much to me. Uh, and so, you know, in so many words, it felt like being a failure. You know, I felt like I'd been called to do this. And, oh, great. Uh, I, I guess I screwed up the one plan I had for post-college. What do I do now? And it's completely like starting over at uh, 22, 23, which, you know, at the time feels like, oh, the world's coming to an end. <laughs> right. I'm never going to be able to financially recover from this. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> 
you know, of course, it, it's it's not like that. You're in your 20s. You can completely reinvent yourself because, God willing, you have like 70, 80 years on this planet at least. And you've you got time to, <laughs> to do something else. Yeah, man. And, um, you know, the beautiful thing, uh, there are many, one of the beautiful things about uh, just the Lord is that he's a God of redemption. In the sense that he's God who who wastes nothing, and so who who even knows um, the impact that you did have, mm-hmm. like through your time there, through the students that you were with, and uh, impacted. And then, man, um, this does not lessen by any stretch of the imagination the difficulty of an experience like that. But uh, you coming back here when you did, yeah, was a massive. Uh, kindness of the Lord towards us. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. I am not minimizing what you went through yeah. at all. But, you know, you. so when did you get back? Um, so I wrapped up my time with RUF in the summer of 2019. was when the last time okay. I was employed. Yeah. Um, and then for a while I was, like, looking for jobs, doing odd things. I ended up working several concerts at the PJCC, just anything to make some money. Um, but yeah, it ended up being kind of fortuitous that I, I came back here at that time because, you know, COVID hit shortly thereafter. I mean, a lot right. of ministries shut down regardless because yeah. like, how are you supposed to do college ministry if n- no one can come to the campus? Right. And, and yet like you became this incredibly vital piece to the ministry of Shades Valley at that point in time. Were it mm. not for you and Matthew Watson. Matt Watson. Who yeah. knows what <laughs> happens in 2020. I still remember like when not everything was shut down, but like we were trending towards like, uh oh, this is this isn't great. Um and like I'd come here after seeing a movie at the summit and I and we were sort of looking at building something and I kind of built this rinky dink rig that would survive for uh, effectively one Sunday um, just to get us off the ground. And I, I spent an, an afternoon just trying to figure out, like, how do we pull this off? And obviously right. Matt Watson came in and made what I did, you know, work, <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially more long-term. Yeah. For, th- for those who don't know, like, Matt and Patrick became the driving engines behind yeah. making live streaming possible, behind yeah. improving the live stream. Yep. Um, and Patrick, uh, I mean, you called him this earlier. What you call him? Uh, the czar. Oh, the what did I say? Stream. Audio live stream czar, czar. I think that's what I called <laughs> yeah. you in the introduction. So Patrick is 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 still the one who's making that uh, well, possible. A lot of people don't realize uh, the impact that you and Matt had at that time. I mean, because basically what happened was, from my perspective, that weekend that everything first shut down we were supposed to have the marriage conference and we we canceled it or we postponed it i was about to say that, i still get asked i still get asked we when we're gonna bring it, it back two weeks later or something <laughs> and i was driving back from a thing in mississippi i think on that friday and all this conversation was going on and then it turned into well i guess we should cancel service on sunday and then it turned into well how can we how are we even gonna live stream can we do something through instagram and so immediately it was like we we reached out to Patrick and Matt and we were like, can you guys come up with anything? Like, is can we do anything? The easiest thing possible. Like, what can we do? And um, so we were just kind of, for a while there, uh, felt like 
just throwing anything at the wall and seeing what stuck, hey man, you know. And was, we went through a lot of because I think that morning we were going to try to do YouTube live yes, stream. Well, yeah, we tried, and it did not work because for nope. a myriad of reasons, uh, which we all had to figure all that out the months uh, preceding <laughs> that. But man, uh, just so thankful for you and and Matt during that time. And what also a lot of people don't know is uh, for for a long time. Uh, Patrick, the reason I call him the live stream czar, uh, <laughs> is because what most people don't know, we ha- had set up the live stream booth upstairs in Shades Valley community, and many, many Sundays, Patrick would be up there by himself in a room with the only where the only windows are in the built into the door, uh, and he would just be up there in a room monitoring the live stream and making sure that we were. You know, beaming out to the globe <laughs> every Sunday. Shades Valley Worldwide. Shades Valley Worldwide. And, uh, I mean, just I just cannot thank you enough for just the time and effort and just um, just all the time that you put into that weekend. And, we, and, then, and then training other people to do it yeah. um, as well. And just, uh, I mean, we couldn't have done it. Literally could not have done it without Matt and Patrick. I mean, seriously. Maybe we could have figured something out. But <laughs> I'm sure you would have figured something out. It would have just been, we just stayed in the cell phone stage for forever. Cell so. phone stage was great. <laughs> One of my favorite memories. we had the phones just like on, on a tripod, yeah. on a rolly cart, and I would just pivot them between John Mark's worship set and, and Jonathan preaching at oh, the podium. That oh, was it. Hilarious. My favorite memory from the cell phone stage, so for what? Everybody doesn't know. So we start out just live streaming with a cell phone. We eventually go to two cell phones. Two, so yeah. one is doing Facebook and one's doing Instagram. Um, but yeah, they, they were. We eventually got to where we had them on like the same tripod. Yep. And, um, but anyway, my favorite thing was uh, Instagram uh, Live only allowed you to be live for an hour. Oh my gosh! I and so my yep, favorite I... thing was there would always come oh. this point, usually. <laughs> Near the end of my sermon or somewhere in there, I'm preaching. And man, I, I feel this special bond with Matt and Patrick because aside <laughs> from you and Brad, they're like the only two people that I preached to for like months. Yeah. And Patrick was kind enough that he would sit like in one of the actual seats on occasion. And I, could I think see him I like sat not on along. the front row. I could see him not along every now and then or like be like, man, that's a good point right there. You know, like, and I was like, man, this is nice to get some feedback. Yeah, if you um, watched the live stream during that time, you probably heard me laughing. Anytime oh, yeah, Jonathan the only laughter when I make a joke. <laughs> oh, but, uh, but my favorite thing was it, there would come this moment where you would just see Patrick stand up and make his way to the phone. And I knew that meant we were almost at the hour mark because when the hour would hit, he would have to very quickly exit out and go back in and restart Instagram Live. It and was every, great. and everyone would have to rejoin. And yes, just it was, the whole thing. Man. It was the thing. It was hilarious. Yeah, that was a wild, Ooh, wild time. Wild rides. Well, <laughs> tell us, tell us. Let's wrap up with what are you? What are you doing now? What am I doing days? now? Uh, I work right now as an auditorium manager, so I do a little bit of uh, work for a local school. Um, mixing for for their stuff their events uh, so that's anything ranging from parent meetings to shows to you know classroom stuff i it, it's a little bit of everything right right yeah so that's yeah. what i'm doing now awesome that's cool that's awesome man oh and you, you i also want to mention that you you well maybe you don't want me to mention it i don't <laughs> know if it's supposed to be public knowledge or not uh you have like a like a film club Yes, I do. 
Well, Are t- we allowed to talk about, about this? Yeah, we're allowed to talk about okay. this. It's not off limits. <laughs> okay. I think I talked about it the last time I was on this podcast. You may have, actually. That's true. Let's talk about it again. So, what do you, what do, you do? Uh, it started out on Wednesdays, but uh, now it's it's moved to Mondays. It, it's every week I sit down with some friends and I host uh, a screening of an event or of a movie, um, and I specifically curate them and find things that I think uh, would be interesting to talk about, uh, and then I kind of record and and edit. Uh, a sort of like Turner Classic Movies intro, um, right. with with more jokes and less like, "Hey, you should take me seriously," right, right, um, because you know I can't do anything without a little bit of irony, um, and so I, I host this like once a week, and uh, I, I've been curating that now for going on three years. It's it's yeah, it's a lot of work because sometimes I mean it started out with like five minute intros where it's just like here's here's a couple things that you should know about this here's some fun facts, and then now I've like added in skits and oh, wow. it's effectively a whole thing. I recreated an entire scene from Die Hard and one of them, uh, and not a single this. one of the actors was. This is like at the height of COVID. It was like December of 2020. Uh, not a single one of the actors was in the same place. So I had to send them the <laughs> script and tell them how to shoot it uh, in direct from uh, a remote location. And I've done a couple sketches like that. Um, but yeah, there's it's there, there's certain episodes where I take myself a lot more seriously and there are other episodes where I, I play a little bit fast and loose with... Uh, I mean, I don't take myself that seriously, so I don't <laughs> think the audience should either. They should, because y- you are... When we talk about being cinephiles... I just I got one last stat everybody needs to hear before before we finish. Uh, how many movies did you watch last year, Patrick? Um, I can pull it up. I have it right here on my notes. So uh, I keep a little note thing of all well, the movies well, you watch. Now, Letterboxd. Have you watched a movie today? Not yet. <laughs> okay. I had one started. Not yet. The the internet at uh, my place of work was out, so I was uh, struggling in that department. But uh, I was watching a podcast about a movie I'd recently seen. So actually, the one I'd covered uh, this Monday, I hosted a screening of that new avant-garde horror film, Skinnamarink. Oh yeah, the, the one, one that that's like uh, it's cost fifteen thousand dollars to make and yeah. ended up making two million dollars. It looks like the trailer. I mean, you've seen the movie; you know more about it than I do. But the trailer yeah. looks like home videos, uh, like grainy uh, home videos, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, I guess what they do with with some of the audio is is really interesting yes. and it, it's supposed to feel like almost like when you're a child and uh i guess that fear of like everything's dark in your house yeah you're alone in your house but yeah. you don't feel alone your parents right. are nowhere to be found and so you can't make sense of this right and you're left to your own devices and that's one of the most horrific things because i think what that movie does so great is it's a really active viewing experience because of how dark the shots are and how grainy the film is. You'll start tricking yourself into seeing things in, in right. corners where they're not, like you would in real life. Like you would in real life, if dark kid. It's it's and, so yeah. mm-hmm. great at putting you back in that mindset of you know being awake late at night and not knowing where your parents are. Um, it feels like a nightmare. I think that's what's so great about it and. It's one so of you the obviously experiences. I was about to say. I was about to say that is not yeah. a sentence you will ever hear I, me say. It I, feels like a nightmare. That's what's so great about <laughs> it. Well, like I think it authentically captures what it was like to have a nightmare at that age, which is you know, 
it, it, that's difficult uh, to do. Like it's so specific yeah. about the kind of things that you were scared right, of at like right, right. four and seven. So like, I think that's what's so effective about it is it like makes you feel like a kid all over again, completely helpless. And you know, for some people that's not, not their jam. And you know, that film is very art house. So it's not for right. most people, but I think if you're willing to give it a, a chance and that's the kind of film that you enjoy, you'll have a great time. Yeah. So how many movies? Uh, 386 in 2022. 300. I I was even specific of like six. I I made sure the last film I saw was something that like was gonna feel like a hoorah. Uh-huh. So I watched Babylon in theaters. Man, I haven't seen that yet. Which you know, not everyone loved, but I thought I thought it was great. It was it was such a hoorah about like that age of cinema. Um, but it's also like melancholic. It's got a little yeah. bit of everything: action, adventure. I'm surprised it didn't get nominated more. Than, yeah, I think it it's just it was kind of. Not for everyone, and it's it's interesting that a film that big and that expensive is yeah. just not for well, everyone. And but Brad Pitt's in it. And Brad Margot Pitt's Robbie. Brad Pitt's incredible. He'll break your heart in that film. Yeah, I do want to see that movie. It's streaming on Paramount, right? Yes, that, Paramount Plus. Yeah, I need to. That's not an ad. To watch that, right? <laughs> they're they're not a sponsor of the show. Oh, three hundred and eighty-six films. That's amazing. I think I only watched like a hundred something last year, and that's. That's impressive for me. You you do have kids. Yeah. Yeah. My word. Most of the movies, see, I have to like, if I want to watch a movie, uh, I have to convince Ashley, like, she'll be like, hey, I'm going to bed. And I'm like, hey, is it all right if I stay up and watch a movie? You you cool (laughs) with that? She's like, that's fine. I think I saw Um, four movies last year. Yeah. (laughs) Can you name all four of them? No, no, not even a shot. Not a chance. I'm sure one of them had to have been an animated film from like Pixar or Disney. No doubt. Oh, well, Patrick. Well, we, hold on, hold on, hold oh, on. Okay. 386 movies last year. What was your favorite movie that you saw? Easy. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. It's the most recent best yeah. picture. Best winner. picture winner. Uh, one of the directors is from here in Birmingham. Yeah. He Daniel grew up uh, out of the what's sidewalk. His last name? Yeah. Daniel Dan- Shiner. Daniel Shiner. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner. Right. Yeah. The they're Daniels. incredible. They did a lot of music videos for uh, Manchester Orchestra specifically, and a lot of weird short films. Uh, and then their previous directorial effort was uh, Swiss Army Man, yeah, which is wild if you haven't seen it. I, I think what's so I good about can endorse that film, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Shit. Uh, but what I think those directors do so well is they combine like the absurd and like the deeply emotional. So like there's some really stupid moments in Everything Everywhere All at yeah. Once, yeah. and despite that it will make you ugly cry because yeah. it's such a like a beautiful film about like family and generational trauma and the immigrant experience and so many things that you're like how does all this work yeah ashley was very confused we watched she watched some of the oscars with me and she was very confused when uh david byrne performed for the song from everything everywhere and he had hot dog fingers yes uh she was very confused and so I she had hadn't to, seen the movie I clearly had to explain uh what happened why why that was cause she hadn't seen the movie so it's so funny to me that a <laughs> film that had like a 32nd of the budget of dr strange last year is so much of a better film about the multiverse wow uh, and like the effects crew is like six people and they yeah. were able to pull off these incredible like effects that are you know look good and don't look like all the VFX vendors right. had no time to finish the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. All right, you heard it here. <laughs> one more question: Do we have time sure. for one more question, Jonathan? Are you okay? 
Yeah, yeah. I've got one more, and then we're done, and it's film-related. Sorry, everybody. I just am curious. <laughs> well, we'll have Patrick back on, I'm sure, for an episode of Shade Cinema. We will. And yeah, he's very he's overqualified. Um, yeah, I think the, I've only been here one other time. I thought I had been here twice, but it uh, was you were here for the Tree, Tree of, of Life, Life was what I did, and that was sort of a last minute thing. For yeah, you, and I, I came over prepared for that one as well. <laughs> I think I watched three Malik films back to back just to prepare for that. Do you have any of my criterions, by the way? Did you borrow one? I, don't, one I, time? I borrowed okay. um, Days of Heaven, but I believe it's back okay, on the okay. shelf now. I'll check. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan's done with the, the conversations. He's not even on the mic anymore. Real quick, and then we're done. Fav- here. Top five directors. You don't have to go into detail of why Ooh. you like them. I just want to know who your top five directors are. Top five. Okay. Um, man, I wish I had had my Deep letterbox pull talk. up. Deep cinema um, talk. Steven Spielberg's an easy one just okay. because he's so consistent. And I think you can even, you know, look at something from his early phase like Jaws or Close Encounters and see so much of what makes him a great director even now. Um, but the variety of his work is, I think, what's so interesting. Yeah. Um, Spielberg. Uh, Spielberg's up there. Uh George Romero, I brought okay, him up several yeah. times. I think right. he's such a great like independent filmmaker. The fact that he got his start out of like television ads, yeah. and specifically directing several episodes of Mr. Rogers. Did uh, not know that. And what a trailblazer. Yeah, so there's actually a quote of Mr. Rogers having seen like Dawn of the Dead, <laughs> which is insane. Uh, and he's complimentary of it. Like, I mean, he's like he's clearly not his jam, but like he's like it's it's well made. That's funny. Um, yeah. <sighs> I wish I had been more prepared for this. this Sorry, I should. So, you shouldn't uh, have asked for five. That's a five, lot that's a for lot. anybody for anything, man. It's a lot. I thought if I said three, he'd be like, "I can't, I can't uh, narrow no, it down uh, to three. The Coen Brothers—they yep. have one of my favorite films of all time. And so you can Lewin count Davis. that as two if you want. <laughs> no, that that's fine. No, they're 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 it's a fine. tandem. Um, Coen, Spielberg, Romero, two more, and oh we're done. Boy. Um, see, I'm not much of a. I mean, I believe in the auteur theory, but I, I start to get a little bit muddy here uh, because I, I I like individual films, but not yeah. always everything that a director makes. Nolan, you um, actually, I don't think he'd be in my top five. Okay, uh, Akira Kurosawa, I think, is the director that really broke foreign film for me. Yeah, Throne of Blood is you know one of the best films of all time, and it's a Macbeth adaptation, and it's yeah. so good. Yeah, of um, course, Seventh Samurai. Yeah, and I guess. That that's four, yeah, that's fine. Okay, so uh, last one, uh, probably either Isayao Takahata or uh, Hayao Miyazaki. So one of the two main guys at Studio Ghibli. Um, okay, okay, they're, they're great. They're some of the best animators of all time. Um, they're so important to the history of that medium, uh, and I, I think they they tap into a very specific like vibe of being a kid and experiencing things for the first time, whether that's tragedy or whether that's, you know, beauty. Uh, so probably if I had to narrow it down to just one of them, Takahata has two of my favorite films of all time, like only yesterday, which is a beautiful coming of age story. Uh, and then, <laughs> uh, grave of the fireflies, which is a, a war movie that doesn't show any war whatsoever. Mm. And yet is probably one of the most devastating films you'll ever see. Mm. <laughs> but you know, Beautiful. I think that's five. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have questions about film, I mean about Patrick, <laughs> please, e- either one, email us, midweek at shadesvalley.org, because we will definitely have Patrick 
back. We'll definitely talk more about movies, probably a specific film or something. You keep teasing me about having an episode about horror movies, and I keep waiting for that invitation because it's been an ongoing conversation (laughs) with Brad because, you know, Caleb Stallings is his friend, and we've talked about bringing him on. Every time I bring it up, Brad gets, even though it was his idea, then he gets a little reserved about it. He's like, God, I'm just going to have to think about it. I don't know if we should do a horror movie episode on shades, but <laughs> I, I'm still uh, I'm still for it. And I think Chris Cargill could jump in as well. He's a big yep. horror movie guy, too. All right. I, I do not have a dog in the horror movie <laughs> fight. I know you don't. So, All right. Though you did have one of your favorite books was uh, about Frankenstein and, and readings of that yes. from last year. No, I, saw I did. That. I enjoyed Man, but so, all right, we're about to a, launch into a completely I know different conversation. Specific. All right, we'll, we'll table that conversation for another time. <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Email us, midweek at shades.org, yep. because here at Shades Midweek, you're a part of the